with you this morning. We are in a series here on salvation, and it's called Saved. Well named, right? It's called Saved, and we're talking through what does it mean to be saved, and then what are some details about that? And uh, we just want to make sure we anchor in in 2018 here with the truth of what God has to offer us and how we can trust and lean in Him, okay? And so we started out the first week in How Can I Be Saved? and walked super clearly through what does it mean to trust in Christ. Man, if you weren't here for that, make sure you get back two weeks ago, listen to that sermon. I know we had some weird weather going on that day and all the rest. Just make sure you hear that and get to that, all right? And we talked very clearly about what it looks like to trust in Christ, to recognize that we need a Savior. We've come up short, right? Remember that moment? We came up short, measured up against, and all of us come up short in our need of a Savior. And and it's not about our works that get it done. It is about Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And so as we believe that he has risen from the dead, as we confess him as Lord, man, that is saved. Handing our lives to him, saying, you're in charge. That's how to be saved. Last week, we looked at the security in that, the eternal security of salvation. Man, God is invested into salvation. It isn't just our work, our somehow forcing ourselves to believe, but God invested into that. It says that those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. A guaranteed action of God at work. What he starts, he will finish. Salvation, it is secure. It is not something I lose and gain and lose and gain and lose and gain repeatedly. God invested into it. That's what we've looked at so far in the last two weeks. This week, so, so how do I know if I'm saved? What assurance do I have that I'm in that spot? where I have trusted in Christ and where God has secured for me eternally something going on. What is my assurance? And I'm just telling you, picture a coin, two sides to it, okay? You got it pictured? That's where we're headed today. We're gonna look at the two sides to the coin of assurance, the assurance that I am saved, all right? And man, I'm just, please hear me on this. And if throughout today you're at the point where you're like, I'm not sure if I am, then it's time to anchor it down today. Right here, right now, today. So as we walk through this today, be thinking through, be letting the Holy Spirit press in. God, what do you have for me? Let's get sure. And all of God's people said, all right, here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. And uh, the first side to the coin in assurance is repentance. Repentance. Rest assured in your salvation when your fruit reflects Jesus working in you. Works do not save, but they are a symptom of salvation. Repentance. Rest assured in your salvation when your fruit reflects Jesus working in you. Hear me, man. Repentance means being done with sin and on with your Savior. Being done with what is against him and being for what is for him and with him. Repentance. One side to the coin. One thing that brings an assurance of salvation is you grasping who Christ is and that beginning to change. Yes, even your works as you're done with sin and on with Christ. Let's dig into this and make sure we get what he's talking about. Starting in verse 15 here. 
This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He's got a lot to say to them. If you have one of those red letter edition Bibles, you notice that these pages are filled with red letter. Jesus is talking a lot and he's sharing a lot of challenge here. And it starts out in verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now he's talking to them about the people coming in and the care that they're going to bring to the community. And he's like, Beware. That word means exactly what we think it means. It means watch out. It means step back. It means be careful. It means make sure you avoid, okay? Beware of false prophets. These are people who claim that God is speaking through them, right? Prophet. God is speaking through them, but in fact, he is not. They're challenging in certain ways. They're telling you to do or be or whatever in certain ways. But in fact, that isn't where God is leading and directing. That is a false prophet. When you say God told you to say something to someone when in fact he hasn't, that is a very scary moment. And uh, so many of you have heard me say this. I'm just going to say this one more time here. But uh, man, be super careful with words when you're talking to a friend and you're trying to be encouraging and you say words like, God told me to tell you. Be really, really careful with that phrase. And uh, one thing to say, you know, as I hear you talking and some of the things I've been reading and God's been impressing on my soul, I'd like to share with you something I've learned and maybe that's even something for you. Notice how I couched that. And then God told me to tell you. Be super careful with that authoritative, forceful God speaking through me to another. And if that's not the case, that is exactly what these false prophets were doing. Man, make sure you don't step into that. And if you're like, I was just trying to encourage them. I get that. Say, hey, I'm just trying to encourage you. Maybe here's something. And soften it up a little bit, right? As soon as we say, thus saith the Lord, it better be the Lord talking. And all of God's people said. And, uh, and all of God's people said. Yeah. Right? be super careful to make sure it's God's word shared out strongly, not our whim and our thought trying to encourage. And these guys were stepping in and they were saying, God is saying. Now remember, they didn't even have really the word of God. The New Testament wasn't recorded out at that time. There were certain letters that had been written and some that hadn't. And so these guys are standing up and saying what God is saying, and they didn't even necessarily have something to measure against. And they were having a rough time with it. And he's like, beware of people who come in as false prophets. Notice it gives some description now. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, literally in the, in the original language. Who come to you in the clothing of sheep. Okay? So it can mean one of two things. It could mean, like, it's what sheep would wear. The clothing of sheep. It's like what sheep would wear. They're coming in dressed like they belong, like they're sheep within the flock, but in fact, they're not. They're posers. They're fakers. It could mean that. Coming in kind of dressed up like a sheep. The other thing it could mean, the clothing of sheep. Just so you know, when the shepherds watched over the sheep, one of the things they did is they would obviously shear the wool. They would use that wool to make for themselves clothing and garments and protective, like especially outerwear, and they would wear that, and it was stuff made of sheep or from sheep. This could also be saying they're acting like the shepherd. They're trying to draw people into following them. They're clothing themselves with the wool of sheep and acting like a shepherd. Whichever way it is, whether they're faking that they're the shepherd or they're faking that they're sheep, can we all just totally admit they're faking it? Everybody say they're faking it. And it's a problem. They're coming in 
and they're destructive. And he's like, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, faking it, because inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Their goal is to destroy. Their goal is to take from within the body, the church. The goal is to draw them to start following them, to start being about them. They are hurtful. They are selfish. They are not trying to draw worship to God Almighty. It is about themselves. They are wolves. And uh, just to be super clear, a shepherd shepherds his sheep and he shoots the wolf. You get that, right? Like when he says they are wolves, this should raise up this, man, this is fighting words. You're coming in and you're going to try to destroy, you will meet my wrath. And that's a real moment. And just so you know, the, the role of pastor in the church, the role of elder in the church is to make sure that we are caring for the sheep and shooting the wolf. And uh, y'all get that, right? And if you come in trying to destroy and devour and be divisive and hurtful and selfish and it's all about you and we have to talk about that, that's not acceptable. And uh, we will be loving our God and our Savior and we will be loving those around us. And all of God's people said, come join us or don't be here. Clear enough? I'm saying that as gently as I can, but man, hear me, wolf's not allowed. That's where we have to be, okay? All right. He says, man, they are inwardly wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. See, their actions will spill out. You can fake an action for a short period of time, but quite frankly, over the course of time, truth and time together will reveal out. And you will know them by their fruits. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, the hands move. Just so you know, our heart spills out into who we are. And as you watch fruits over time, you can tell where things are at. That's why one of the key words of the wolf is actually, just look right now, look what I just did. They want you to look very quickly in that time and in that moment. Why? Because they have just manipulated the circumstance to look good for the moment. Will you please look at that? It looks good right now. They know they're not going to be able to hold it together over a long period of time. Uh, short, right now, is kind of the term of the wolf. I need you to look at it right here. Because they've manipulated something for the moment to appear like. And a fruit, and fruit being uh, watched over, actually is to be looked at over time. Okay? And the heart is revealed out in time. And uh, you will recognize them by their fruits. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the answer is uh, no. Yeah, no, you don't gather those things from there. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the uh, diseased tree bears bad fruit. And uh, just so we're super clear, every healthy tree bears good fruit. Every diseased tree bears bad fruit. We think of fruit trees, right? We walk up and we see something where there's like an apple growing on the tree. And we're like, oh, look, an apple tree, right? But just so we're super clear, the fruit growing on the tree does not define the tree. The type of tree it is defines the fruit. Are you hearing the difference? The fruit does not define the tree. The type of tree defines the fruit. That is super important. And it's from the heart spilled out that we end up seeing and knowing what's going on. And our hearts will reveal the type of tree we are. 
okay? He says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The type of tree will reveal the type of fruit. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, okay? Uh, Let's just be super clear, that's not a good thing, right? And uh, wow, bummer. And uh, we just have to know, man, when you have an orchard and you have a tree that has some kind of disease in it, you take that tree out of the orchard and have it burned, removed, so that it is not affecting the others. That's what he's talking about. Let's make super clear that we grasp bad, unhealthy tree, bad fruit, wolf, pulled out, and bur- those are not good things. And that's not where we want to be. And we need to get off of that. And if that's who you are, man, it is time to be done being that. May God get all the glory. And uh, he says, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the hands move. The type of tree defines the fruit. The fruit does not then determine the type of the tree. Okay? And so when we're looking at fruit, we're knowing what's going on inside and what's coming out of the heart. He's talking here right now about teachers stepping in and leaders stepping in and people stepping in trying to distract. Now he moves to each of the sheep within the church community. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hang on and let that settle. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Letting that settle. Dude, it is not about putting some words on your lips every once in a while. It is not about what comes out in a fake moment. He's like, it is not just because you put words out, Lord, Lord, that you get to be saved and enter the kingdom of heaven. Words alone don't get it done. And make sure that you are not just about the words alone plan. Okay? He says, Lord, Lord, just because they say it does not mean they will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And we have to be super careful when we hear this. He's like, I'm just telling you, the one who has a heart changed by God Almighty, where it spills out through his mouth and through his hands, the one who is doing the will of God because God is working in his soul. There is life, there is change, there is hope. Man, that's spilling out. That's what it's all about. It is not just about doing good works to somehow save. We'll see that in just a second in the passage. But he's like, I'm telling you, when God is at work in your life, there is something happening in your soul. You aren't just calling him Lord on your lips. You mean, God, you're in charge. I hand this to you. You take over. You are my God. That's what it means. May God have a work in our lives that is more than just some lip service, some dressing up the outside. May our hearts be transformed for him. It says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
did we not, get ready here, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many uh, mighty works in your name? They're like, yeah, but God, there were good things that we did too. We had good works involved. And, and what about that? And so Jesus is like, let me just say that no matter how good the work if you do not have my blood covering you, if you do not have my works over you, if you are not trusting in me, man, that is not where we're going. So let me put some really good ones out there. Now he gives the list. If you were like casting out demons, if you're like healing someone, if there's like mighty works done because of something around you at the moment, man, I'm just telling you, good works don't get it done. Even that's not saved. Just you alone doing good works, no. And they're like, well, yeah, but we said, Lord, Lord, and we had some things that seemed like miracles, and what about that? He says, then I declare to them, I never knew you. Let those words settle. I never, everybody say never. He said, I never knew you. See, there is eternal security and salvation. And what he didn't say is, well, there were some times I knew you, but now I don't. And so it all fell apart. And now we're in trouble. And like he's not, everybody say, not that. I never knew you. And salvation is dependent upon that word. Your God knowing you personally and pouring into your life, and you knowing and trusting in him. There is a relationship, and that's what it's all about. There were moments where guys were literally crying out the name of Jesus Christ and commanding demons to leave. And in that moment, God was like, I'm not listening and responding to that. And then there were other times where those same guys were commanding demons to leave, and in the name of Jesus Christ, be removed. And God's like, you know what? That is going to actually honor my name in this moment, while this one is not even saved and doesn't know who I am. My name was invoked in this moment, and God does something huge, and those demons are pulled back because of the power and the name of Jesus Christ. And they're like, man, I'm telling you, we were there, and we cried it out. What about that? And he's like, if you do not know me and I do not know you, that's not saved. Man, hear me with all I've got. Good works will never, ever get it done. Know your God deeply. Hand yourself over to him powerfully. Let him be your God. May he know you personally and powerfully. May you know him. May he begin to do a work in you and change you. May God begin to alter your life to know him and to have him know you. And this is a huge, huge deal. That's salvation. And, uh, we just wrote a couple of words down here. First John 4, 16 and 17. It says that his love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence. 
His love is perfected in us. Him knowing us, us knowing Him, a relationship with Him, His love pouring in. Why is He pouring His love in? To make a change in our lives, to shape us along the way, one degree of glory at a time. I know that God. I am with that God and His love is pouring into me and He is pouring His love in so that, purpose statement, we may have confidence assurance that we are saved. Man, God pouring into our lives a certainty. John Newton said this, I am not the man I ought to be. I am not the man I hope to be. God keep changing my life, right? But by the grace of God, I am not the man I once was. Praise be to God. Salvation is all about as you trust in Christ and as you lean on him, as you get to know him personally, and as he begins to know you personally, Holy Spirit comes in and begins to change you one degree of glory at a time. And as you begin to have those parts of you addressed, you literally start to be changed. And I'm telling you, there's a moment where you look forward and you're like, there's still a lot more to be changed in me. But when you look in the rearview mirror and you see what's behind you, you're like, praise God, there has been growth. There has been progress. There has been hope as God has revealed out, and I am not who I once was. And all of God's people said, man, we aren't who we used to be because God is working in us, and we're headed forward, and God is changing us one degree of glory at a time. And it is about knowing him and him knowing us. It is not, everybody say not, just words on lips or fake actions done. It is not. It is a deep, personal relationship where your God is put in charge and he starts doing a changing work in you. Praise be to God. Repentance, it leads to fruit because as the heart is changed, so the fruit is changed. Remember, the type of tree determines the type of fruit. May God get all the glory. And, uh, so we're not saved by works. We are saved by a vulnerable worship where we're putting God in charge. His last little phrase here then, he says, uh, he says, I declared to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They were faking it. They were acting it. They were trying to clothe the outside while the inside wasn't changed. They did not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they were not trusting in him. They did not declare him as their God. They weren't about to admit their sin they weren't believing in him, the one who would be dying on the cross for them, rising again for them. God Almighty, Lord, take over. And are you playing a game with words? Are you saying things but never giving him charge of your life? When you look in the rearview mirror, is there change and transformation, God doing a work in you, or is there nothing? Man, if there is nothing, today is the day to begin to anchor it in, handing it to your God, okay? 
Here's the deal. I've uh, got a fruit here. And uh, so, an orange, right? And uh, as you look at this fruit, you're like, great, you have an orange in your hand. Here's the deal. Listen to this. Do you hear it? That's plastic, man. This fruit is not fruit. This fruit bounces. Right? This fruit is not what it's all about. This is man-made fruit. And what we do is we manufacture our own fruit. We make it look good, at least on the outside, our fruit bounces, right? We make it look good. We think we got it together. We even try to tie it up on our tree, wrap it up, make it look like it. Do you see the fruit on our tree? And as people come around, they're looking at our man-made fruit hanging tenuously by string, right? And we're building what we look like to the outside. May we be done building fake fruit. Down with the plastic, down with the man-made, down with tying on my actions and trying to make it look like. May it literally be God working in my soul, him knowing me and me knowing him. And the depth of me trusting in him saying, God, take over. Lord, I'm done fighting. It is not mine. It is yours to give. Lord, will you change my soul? I am yours. Man, trusting in him and handing yourself over so that he knows you and you know him. Down with fake fruit. Up with knowing your God and your God knowing you and him doing a work in you that blossoms out into fruit on the tree that is so real and so unbelievably delicious. Might look the same on the surface, but man, it's completely different inside. Repent. Be done with the sin and on with your Savior. Allow him to take over in your life. Know him and have him know you. No more words and rhetoric. No more fake actions. Time for God to be in charge. Okay? So where are you at? How are you doing? With handing your life to him. All right? Second assurance. Second side of the coin. Belief. Rest assured in your salvation when it is more than mere words of actions or actions, but is truly a powerful, passionate relationship with your God. Belief. Rest assured in your salvation when it is more than mere words or actions, but is a truly a powerful, passionate relationship with your God. Here we go as we dive in to the last piece here. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Remember, let's get a running start as we go back to the prior verse. I declare to them, I never knew you. 
Man, may we know him and have him know us. May there be a depth of passion as we hand ourselves over and he takes over. And he's like, in the midst of that, everyone then who hears these words and does them, that's what it looks like to be opening yourself up. God, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Lord, I'm ready to go after this. This word hears, it means that the physical sounds are hitting your ears. You're beginning to process the words. Now you have a choice, a response. And this hearing, may it respond out with a change to the soul that then spills to action. And he's like, and he does these things. He is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. And he has built his life on the foundation and the hope that it is Jesus Christ. And as we anchor into Christ, as we say, I am a sinner, Lord. I'm in need. I am not perfect. It is not the words on my lips. It is not the actions in my hands that save me. It is you and you alone, I believe. I believe that you are risen from the dead, and I confess you as my Lord. You're in charge. That's saved. Okay? He says here that we could be like a wise man who builds our house on the rock. And then come these rains and these winds and these storms and tirades, right? He describes right after it, hitting hard. That's the pressures of life. We looked at that last week. The tribulations and the struggles. And man, in the midst of taking on the daily hits of this broken world, hear me. If you are anchored into Jesus Christ as your foundation, if you are trusting in him and he knows you, you are saved and there is hope and hope eternal. And that is life with Jesus Christ. It says that we can actually anchor into the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. You feel like that's you? getting beat on with the circumstances of life. The winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior and are you leaning on him as Lord? Do you believe he is risen from the dead and confess him in charge of your life? Lord, no more fake fruit. No more muscling it. You take over. Last week, we talked about eternal security, and we anchored it in the truth of who God was and is and will be. And I just had said security is tied to God's sovereignty, right? It's a theological truth. Hear me, eternal security is a theological truth. Assurance of salvation is an experiential truth. Let that settle. Assurance of salvation is experiential. Us being able to experience God working in my life me being able to look in the rearview mirror and see God changing me. In the moment when I'm standing in the trial and the tribulation and the wind is blowing and the house is being rocked a little bit, nothing moves. I have an experience of my God is with me. I know who he is. Amen, man. I'm telling you this. 
Assurance of salvation comes with the experience of God knowing you and you knowing him. Anchor deep in believing in him and trusting in him. That's where assurance comes from. Okay? It says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You know, half of this room is thinking of that song, right? We all grew up with it, and the wise man built his house on the rock, and, right? And then the wise man built his house on the sand, and when the rains came down and the floods came up, bad things happened, right? And the house came down, and he says here, uh, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Man, anchoring into the sand, that's words like, oh, I can handle this. Anchoring into the sand. Well, I pray to God every once in a while. It's good enough. Well, you might not be doing any real changes in my life. I don't know if I see any change, but at least I believe. And we have some statement of belief that really never calls us to action. Man, that's building it on the sand. I'm just telling you. Build it on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Belief deep in him. Handing it over to him. Letting him take over. May God start doing a changing work in you. As Jesus got done talking, it says, and when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Can you imagine being there, not for the written word to be read, but for Jesus to share for him to have been talking while he's sitting on a rock and he looks at you and he connects eyes and drills deep within and it gets so tangible. They were hearing from the great teacher and his authority. They were astonished for he was teaching them as one who had authority. And I love this phrase, not as their scribes, right? How'd you like to have been one of their scribes? And this gets recorded about you. He was teaching with authority, not like one of them, right? Didn't really have the authority. They weren't bringing it, but Jesus was bringing with great authority and great clarity and great depth. And he was like, I'm telling you this, words don't get it done. Actions don't even get it done. Works do not save. Knowing him and him knowing you believing that he has risen from the dead, confessing him as Lord and saying, take over in my life. That's saved. And the assurance of salvation comes in the two sides of the coin, repenting of the sin that so needs to go and believing in that living God and handing your life to him. That sets up an experience that no one can take away. Assurance. That's saved.